Our scripture passage for this uh, Christmas morning service is found in Luke chapter 1, Luke, the third book in the New Testament. It's on page 1588 in the Bible that I have, but I know that all our Bibles aren't exactly the same as far as page numbers go, so Luke 1, and we're starting to read at verse 26. Uh, This section is headed by the title, The Birth of Jesus Foretold. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary? asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. The word of the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time to come to worship you, to adore you, to remember how your light has come into this world. Lord, we've sung praises to you, we've confessed sin, we've heard your reassurance, and Lord, we've committed ourselves to looking to you on who we should be. Lord, may this time of worship shape us and form us more and more into the people you're calling us to be. And Lord, I pray that the words which will be spoken next, Lord, may they be your words and not mine. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Advent is over. Advent, the time of waiting, waiting with anticipation, with hope. And it's over, it's Christmas Day. This year through Advent, we've been joining the people around the manger. So you may be wondering why we didn't read the Christmas story this morning. Well, we've been immersed in the Christmas story for four Sundays. 
So I thought we'd take a step back and just look at, at Mary and Jesus, the last two people around the manger or in the manger that we haven't looked at yet and how this all came to be. We've joined people around the manger in the small town of Bethlehem in a stable to get to know that child in the manger. Jesus was born in a world not that different from ours today. I know you're saying, wait a minute, but it's not that different. People were living life day to day. They were doing the stuff people do. Families were, were doing what they had to, to put a roof over their head, food on the table. People were falling in love, sometimes falling out of love. There were jobs and there was unemployment. There's all these things. Here are some of the headlines that could have been in the Jerusalem Gazette at that time. Grain ship stock, Rome rides end, supply chains are stabilizing. Olympic wrestlers in a coma. But there's a report of angel sightings in Judea. See, there's all the regular stuff of the world going on. Wars going on. There was sickness. There was poverty. There was injustice. People struggling to just get by, often with no real sense of purpose or meaning in life, just going day by day by day. A world just like ours, filled with people just like us. But God's about to burst onto the scene of humanity. Jesus is coming. And the world has never been the same since. There are still wars. There's still poverty, injustice, and more. However, there's the hope of God, of God with us. There's a hope that we're not alone that God is not just far away, that God actually comes to be with us. Emmanuel. Through Jesus, God brings new life and hope to the world. And Luke writes the story of Jesus' birth from Mary's perspective. Mary's introduced to us as a young maiden. A virgin pledged in marriage to a man called Joseph. There's no mention of Mary's family. She seems to come from a family with little status, though. This is the young girl God has chosen to move his plan to redeem the world forward. And Luke gives us a glimpse into who Mary is. The angel Gabriel comes to the town of Nazareth to bring Mary a message from God. As Gabriel meets, greets Mary, he uses the Greek word charis in three different ways to give us a bit of a glimpse into why God chooses Mary. Charis means grace, to rejoice. It means favor. This word has the notion of sweetness. Charm, loveliness, and delight. I love that one of the seniors' complexes in this, uh, in this town is called Karis Village, a place 
where people can retire and experience all these things. This word has a notion of of just goodness, of rightness. Another way to translate the first words of the angels is, Rejoice, ye who are full of grace. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found grace and favor with God. Mary's called to give praise to God. Why? Well, Gabriel recognizes that she's a grace-filled woman, a woman whose natural response is gratitude. We're given a glimpse here into Mary's character. There's a delight and a loveliness into who she is as a young woman. Mary's been taught to trust God because he's trustworthy and faithful. God now fills her even more with grace and favor. People who are grace-filled and grateful, they seem to walk through life with a bit more happiness and joy. And the people around them, it kind of seeps into them as well. Wherever they are, no matter who they're with, they bring light and life into the people and situations around them. Most grace-filled people I know are just regular people who live simply and yet are generous and loving. They express their gratitude to God through their relationships with others around them. As you go through the Bible, you find out that God often seems to use people who are grace-filled because they're willing to trust God. They're more open to God working in them and through them. So God gives his favor to this young, grace-filled woman, raising Mary up to a central role in salvation history. But what's God doing here? Choosing Mary to have this child? He's calling Mary to be the mother of Jesus. If Jesus is the son of God, then Mary is the mother of God. In Greek, we say Theotokos. I remember a class in seminary. We had a discussion in our classes about who Jesus is. And you could tell that there is a lot of the students that were really uncomfortable calling Mary mother of God. But yet, it's so important to acknowledge that Mary is the mother of God, the mother of Jesus, because it addresses both Jesus' divinity but also his humanity. Mary is the mother of God in the sense that she carries in her womb a divine person, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, contributing her human DNA to Jesus. John writes, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus comes to be God with us, as one of us. Jesus is born of Mary. Shows us that Jesus is a real flesh and blood person set into history. A church father, Ignatius, writes, Jesus was 
truly born, truly lived, truly died. All important if Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus' humanity is, is important in order to fulfill God's promise to Satan in Genesis 3. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, tempting Adam and Eve to listen to his voice instead of God's, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Think about this. This is a lot to put on a young woman. She's in her mid-teens. And you wonder, how is she going to respond? And we see how our relationship with God affects our response to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary chooses to trust. She knows life's about to become harder. She knows that people are going to talk about an unmarried girl being pregnant. She knows it's going to be really hard to tell Joseph. He knows she may even, he may even doubt her. And yet Mary also knows who God is. Raised on the stories of God's faithfulness. Mary knows that when God works, things often become way more difficult before they become better. That life gets messier as God uses his people to bring hope. Injustice and hurt often come before freedom and redemption. Mary knows that God never promises easy, but he has promised to be with us. Mary asks, how can this be though since I'm a virgin? That's kind of a practical question, I think. Mary doesn't blindly accept this, this astonishing news. Uh, the Greek word here means to make an audit, to think about this rationally. Our faith isn't a blind faith. It's a reasonable faith. God does not mind us asking him questions and saying, what's going on here? How can this be? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? How can I truly know that you are God? How can I know that Jesus Christ truly came to be Savior of the world, to be my Savior? It's not a blind faith. Tim Keller writes about what healthy doubt looks like. Some doubt seeks answers. There are people like Mary who are open to the truth and are willing to relinquish sovereignty over their lives if they can be shown that the truth is other than what they thought. It's how we come to God with our doubts with our questions. When you come to him with your doubts, are you saying, I'm willing to listen? I'm willing to learn 
I'm willing to follow. Please just show me. Reassure me. Fill me with your hope, with your presence. This is why we've been given the Holy Spirit. And the angel responds, oh, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And we hear the echoes of the Old Testament from when God came down in a visible way so that Israel would know that he was there. In Exodus 40, we read about the finishing of the tabernacle. And when it was done, we read, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The people could see God coming down in the cloud and covering the tabernacle that had just been made. They could feel and sense and see the presence of God. In 1 Kings 8, when the temple was built and the ark brought into the new temple, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. Mary grew up with these stories, knowing that God does reveal himself, that God does show that he is there. And Mary hears that this child will be created in her through an act of God coming over her, coming down to her. And that this child will be God's son, even though she's still a virgin. Always fascinates me that Matthew doesn't deal with this, Mark doesn't deal with this, John doesn't deal with it. Luke's a doctor, though. He's kind of interested in how this stuff is going to work out. How does a virgin become pregnant? So he gives us the how-to of Mary coming with child. But Luke, through his whole gospel, he talks a lot about trust. About how trust is a big part of our faith in God. Do you trust God? Is there something preventing you from trusting God, recognizing his blessings in your life, from trusting this story of God becoming a human child? Trust and faith are not always easy to give because life's circumstances bring so many hard times so many experiences that we find hard to explain or process. Process, But trust comes when we learn to place our work, our success, our failures, our family and relationships in God's hands. It comes when we learn to turn to Jesus and say, what does your success look like in me and through me? Trust comes as you begin to recognize how the Holy Spirit is blessing you right now in your present circumstances. It trusts that God, that Jesus loves you and that he truly is working out everything for your good. And this is why the manger and the cross are so important. See, they're signs of his love and his trustworthiness. 
But trust also comes as you learn forgiveness and grace. It comes from experiencing Jesus' forgiveness and grace in your own life. And the best place to start is in God's word and the stories of his relationship with humanity. All those stories that Mary grew up with. All those stories of God's relationship with humanity. They all settle deep in her heart and soul and mind. Helping her to trust, to have faith. She learned it from her parents and her synagogue. She learned it by practicing her faith in daily life. Mary teaches Jesus the stories of God and his relationship with his people. Mary teaches Jesus to have faith in his heavenly Father. Mary teaches Jesus the ways of the Lord while looking after his needs, nursing him, nurturing him, and teaching him the things mothers teach their sons, like trust and grace and faith. And we see Jesus' trust in God played out in the Garden of Gethsemane when he tells God, your will be done. And then walking the path, to, the path to the cross on our behalf. We see Jesus' grace play out in his relationships with the people. Constantly offering them God's grace. Calling them into a relationship with God and with himself. Offering forgiveness. Trust and faith in Jesus. God with us. My prayer is that you'll hold on tightly to both as you come on this Christmas day to the manger to see the Son of Mary, the Son of God, this Christmas. Amen. Father, thank you. Oh, thank you for coming, for coming through your son Jesus to be God with us, to join us in life, to also join us in death so that we can experience eternal life with you. But Lord, help us to, to learn trust and faith in you. Help us to live out your grace in all our relationships. And Lord, may this Christmas, may so many come to know you, to meet you, to encounter you, and to accept you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.